Welcome to the show, guys. Before we start this little intro, I'm going to let y'all know, go and check us out on Facebook. We're on YouTube, Strut South TV. We're on Instagram, and we're also on pretty much anywhere that you can find podcast. We're there. If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes on another platform, be please feel free to go and check us out anywhere else itunes stitcher um spotify all those all those spots for podcast so with that said today i have mr mark jury from jury outdoors and i talked to him today about deer cast and how epic it's gonna be um i'm telling y'all deer cast is gonna be awesome this year so if y'all don't have it y'all need to get it but we talk about deer cast and we talk about big bucks in the south we talk about um hunting deer during the moon and using the moon to your advantage with the fronts and stuff like that so and there's some other things in there too so we'll get to it and before we do let you guys know that this episode is brought to you by onyx hunt maps they are the number one hunt mapping system so y'all go check them out they're pretty dang good you can hunt public land private land you can pretty much know anything about a piece of property so y'all go get onyx they're legit let's get to the show All right, everybody, welcome back. This is episode number 41. I'm your host, Ryan Greathouse, and today we have a guest that probably doesn't need any introduction at all. Um, his name is Mark Jury, and pretty sure all of you know him. He's with DOD TV. He's got several hunting shows on TV, and they just got a lot going on. And uh, we got Mark on here to talk to us today. What's up, Mark? Hey, how you doing, buddy? Thank you for having me. Oh, man, I'm glad you got on here. I I really appreciate you getting on. Um, You know, we were, and that was kind of crazy, we were talking about that uh, right before we actually started about turkey hunting. That's what I was going to ask you, too. Um, I don't know. Do you you think it's like, is there some kind of way that you think maybe the deer cast kind of correlates with, turkeys in any way um you know i've tried to put that together with turkeys but they're very unpredictable um in my opinion because turkey hunting is so situational um he may have a head one day not open his mouth and if he loses her the next day he gobbles his head off and and that ebbs and flows throughout the season so there are certain things weather-wise that have consistencies, but by and large, there's not near—they're not nearly as predictable as as deer. Um, so, you know, high pressure I like, uh, but some of my best days for turkey are low pressure when fronts are coming in. You know, they don't gobble a lot, but I kill a lot those days because I think the hens go tend to their nests. So it's just. It's just yeah. a little bit harder to predict than deer. Deer, deer were not that hard, and turkeys I've hunted harder and longer than deer, and I'm still trying to figure them out. You know, I mean they're they're uh, they're finicky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I've been thinking was not necessarily like how the 
how the phases are factored into deer cast and all. But I, I do, I do think that sometimes the like the weather factors and stuff like that, like the barometric pressure and all that stuff. I do think it it factors in a little bit with turkeys. Oh, it, um, it does. I mean, high pressure days they're going to gobble well, but I've also seen those high pressure days they'll gobble themselves out early in the morning. And then they won't open their mouth the rest of the day. You know, they kind of decharge their battery. I've seen, you know, days for deer, which I would consider poor, low pressure, and kill all kinds of turkeys on those days. It's it's too situational as it pertains to the hen. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it changes rapidly, you know. So it's just, uh, it, they're just more challenging. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, we'll go ahead and get into it here. Uh now on this on our podcast, Mark, we do a I try to do like a kind of like a rapid fire Q and A to kind of get a uh, feel. That way, the the listeners can kind of get a feel of who I'm talking to. And uh, these questions, most of the time, are not related to the topic at hand at all. They're just uh, completely random. So all right. Um. So we'll just shoot for it, and you just kind of give me the. You just kind of give me like a a short, quick answer. Um, you got it. All right. Favorite deer recipe? Uh, bacon wrapped tenderloin, smoked after it's been uh, marinated in Dale's sauce, taken to an inside temperature at about 155, let it chill, and then eat it the next day. Unbelievable. Mm. That sounds unbelievable. Um, it's, it's all right. Uh. Well, this uh, actually my next question. It might kind of go into that a little bit. Uh, favorite biscuit. Favorite biscuit. Yeah. Uh, my favorite biscuit in the whole world is the McDonald's sausage biscuit. I love them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I get a every once in a while I'll go through a spell where that's all I crave for months. I love their and, sausage uh, biscuits. Biscuit with egg, especially during turkey season, man. I'll go out of my way to go grab one if there's one close. Too often there are not though, the rural areas. Man. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I won't. I won't bring it up, but it'll. It, we'll, we'll finish the Q and A first. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, one country you'd like to visit? Well, I I'm a homeboy of all homeboys. I love the U.S. of A. and my butt is seldom sitting anywhere that's not in that country unless it's the first week of September, and I'm in Canada with my brother Corey Jarvis up there hunting mule deer. Beyond that, I don't care to visit any other countries, plain and simple. <laughs> I'm I sorry, feel you on I'm that. just a homeboy, man. I, I, love, I, hey, I, I love, I love the United States, brother. Oh yeah, I don't. Hey, I don't blame you there. Uh, only reason I, I asked that is my. It was just. The question that popped in my head, my wife just came back from a trip from uh, Rome. She went to Greece and Rome, and uh, that was the main reason for that question. Uh, if I all right, last another, one. If the flight wasn't so far, if the flight wasn't so far, I'd go to New Zealand in the fall and hunt turkeys. Because oh, it's yeah. Their, it's their spring, but the, the flight is forever, like 18, 20 hours. And I, I, I mean, I can't handle that, but I would love to go to New Zealand and hunt turkeys just because – I like to deer hunt, but I love to turkey hunt. If I could turkey hunt year-round, I would, man. It's so much fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to go to New Zealand and hunt a stag. 
that would be my dream hunt. Um, all right, last one here. Uh, one person in history you'd like to meet? Historically, would love to meet. Oh, I would have loved to have met. That is a tough one, brother. <laughs> uh, one person historically I'd love to meet. Well, I guess I hope to meet Jesus Christ someday. I'll give you that answer. Yeah. How's that? That's a good one. Yes, sir. Historically, I'd love, I'd love to think that I'm going to meet. Awesome. Yes, sir. All right. Well, we'll uh, go ahead and get on in here. Now, we mentioned it right there at the start. Um, I think we'll just – I guess we'll just kick it off because you were mentioning it a little bit when we started talking. Um I guess let us let us know what's going on with uh, this DeerCast thing y'all got. You know, we, we launched DeerCast last year, and uh, we had a free version out there for everybody to bang around on and play with. And, you know, it's a predictive algorithm that helps predict the deer movement in your area, you know, based on 13 different weather variables. Uh, they're all weighted differently, and based on the weather in your area, it'll give you a prediction for how they're going to move. And uh, that was out last year. It's also got the entire Drew Outdoors library of content. It's got an incredible news feed. It's got new stories going up every day. We have a full full staff of writers. And that, that was DeerCast last year. Our, our goal was to get about 50,000 users within the app last fall. And we ended up a little over 500,000 last fall. So it was very widely widely distributed and very well received. So we were we were just tickled to death with that. We knew that we had to um, do some more things to continue being on the cutting edge of apps and app development. So even while that one was out, we were already developing uh, later releases of the app. The first year it was free so people could see it and get used to it. This fall, we still have a free version. Uh, it's got one day's deer cast. It's got the news feed. It's got most of the Drury Outdoors library. But we also have an annual subscription of $9.99 on another version and $19.99 on, on another version. For $9.99, you can get it for the full year, and you get a five-day deer cast. You get the fan news feed. You basically get exactly what you had last year out of DeerCast. It's exactly what you're getting at the $9.99 for annual subscription. You also get a much more granular, detailed view of the hour-by-hour. Hour. That's DeerCast Pro. This year, DeerCast Elite uh, is $19.99 for one year. Uh, it's an annual subscription. And with it, you get the ability to customize the algorithm to your spot. So the algorithm's there. Not all farms are created equal. You can take DeerCast Custom and kind of uh, peel that up a little bit, make it a little bit more optimistic. If you feel like our algorithm is too pessimistic or you can tone it down and say, you know what, they're not moving as great as they say, well, take it down some and, and set it to your area. So it gives you the ability to customize the algorithm to your hunting. Um, and most importantly, within DeerCast Elite, we have DeerCast Track. And that's a never-before done a project. I've never seen anything like it or anything close to it. Um, in my opinion, you know, so much is written about getting on the deer in terms of 
the lead up, the food plotting, the tree stand hanging, the tactics to see them, where to go, how to hunt, blah, blah, blah. You seldom, if ever, hear anything about once that shot is made, how do you find the deer? And, and so often many deer are lost with marginal hits or even sometimes good hits, you lose them. So we created a database of hits from our series, and we know exactly how far those deer went, what kind of blood sign was on those trails, what the time of death to the, to the time they expired was. And we'd loaded all these hits in our database, and then we broke them down with John Engelkin and Bobby Culbertson, the two best deer trackers that I know of. Collectively, these guys have tracked over 4,000 deer. John is the trackingest wow. son of a gun you've ever seen. He's got uh, bloodhounds. He's been doing it for, my goodness, probably 25, 30 years, and he's, he tracks all over the Midwest. He's incredible. Bobby Culbertson, the head guide over at Terra Wildlife, tracks 100 to 200 a year, all of them bow hit deer. So we take their experience, we show them the hit, and then they break the hit down. Then Terry and I address quarter and two quarter and away, different angles, et cetera, et cetera. So you go to the you go to our deer in Deer Cast Track, you take the icon, a little target icon, and you pick point of impact, and then the app does the rest. It backfills every video within an eight-inch circle from that radius. And, you know, if you're off a little bit, you can tweak it a little bit and watch all these different hits and hear how long to wait, what to look for, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it, it is so advanced. It's like taking the two best trackers that I know with you on every track, track job you ever go on. Like, they are going to give so much good advice. So many more deer are going to be found because I think the number one mistake people make is just tracking too soon you're emotional you're excited you're optimistic i know i killed that deer i know i smoked him right and then uh you go jump the deer and lose blood all that stuff uh, you know because you were an off off an inch and you hit the liver and not the lungs you know and he wasn't dead yet that, those types of things what are you doing on the next shot gut shot high back low back leg shot this angle that angle uh, stomach versus intestines large intestines versus small I mean, man, we, we have got it broke down like you've never seen. It's incredible. It's literally, that's, I'm so excited to get this out there. It's not even funny. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. Um, I I actually, I was listening to y'all's podcast, and uh, that's where y'all were talking about it. And when, when y'all were talking about all the new features and DeerCast 2.0, I was like, man, that's, like, that's going to be awesome. Um the the one thing the one thing I like that I think I like the the deer cast track the most and then the fact that you can adjust it to your property because I mean what if your season starts first of September, you know, and you may have to adjust it like you're saying. Absolutely. And you can always toggle back and forth between what our algorithm says versus what yours says. You know, so you can toggle back and forth. And then, you know, as the season goes on, you just continue to tweak it, and you're eventually going to go. I've got my deer herd nailed, right? So it's it's yeah. a pretty cool. Plus, our 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 news feed is drastically, you know, more robust this year. I mean, everybody that does a fan share, we had over eighteen thousand last year. You know, people sharing success or sharing stories and stuff, and you know, we picked a good many of them go in, but this year they're all going in. If you if you upload it, it's going into the feed. So it's going to be like a mini little deer hunter's bragging board, right, or, or whatever. They can post whatever you want. I'm on this big buck. I'm going to tell you how I'm going to kill him or, or just 
talk about whatever and, and post it in DeerCast. So, you know, we're we're heading down a path that's going to lead us to, you know, the ultimate deer hunter social media page, in my opinion, uh, through time. Yeah. This year, this year will be the building block towards that. It's it's going to be so cool. We're, we're excited about DeerCast this fall now. I'm, I'm telling you, it's it's going to be really revolutionary with all the different things that we have in there for features. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and that it, uh, gosh, what was I about to say? It, um, it's like a, it's like a Facebook for deer hunters, I guess. <laughs> it is cool. without all the, without all the junk, you know, and all the, you know, right. people say crazy stuff. I'm sure we're going to get some negativity, but by and large last year, most everybody in there is positive, happy for one another. Um, you know, kind of drama free, which sometimes I look at social pages and just scratch my head at people's attitudes and people's thoughts. And who says that? You know, it's like, why would you say that? <laughs> you know, it, you know right. that, if you don't have anything positive to say, don't say it. Well, that, I wish people would adhere to that on social media. So, you know, we're ultimately going to have the final say as far as what goes in the feed. And if somebody's misbehaving, well, they're, they're going to be gone. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, yeah. we just have any time for that, you know. Now, if it's a valid point, right. absolutely, have it. Freedom of speech, right? But don't be silly. True. I totally agree. Um, and actually, uh, another feature, well, I guess really the main way to uh, get into something else that y'all are doing, which is the farm giveaway, um, that's really like the main, isn't that the main outlet to be able to enter to get in that giveaway? Yeah, you can do it online at our website. The easiest way is just download DeerCast and the free version or any of the versions. Click the little icon farm giveaway and apply for it. And um, we're giving prizes away every single month that, you know, they're worth you know, anywhere from 1000 to $8,000 on a monthly basis. But that farm, 60 acres in Putnam County, Missouri, I mean, it you could you could sell it the day you get it for over two grand an acre, I think. So we've been fixing it up, tree stands, food plots, uh, ponds. Um, uh, but you know we stocked the ponds we got a timber assessment in there i mean it's it is turnkey gate new gate put up it's a beautiful little piece of timber it's awesome that well timber and brush and it's just it's gorgeous yeah that's awesome i think that's it's really awesome that that somebody's going to be getting a piece of property that was basically cherry picked by you guys and doctored up in some sort of way by you guys and I I think that's that's pretty awesome. I'm and I like I really like the videos that y'all are doing with the uh as the, like as the progression of the giveaway, you know, y'all are constantly doing stuff, showing the videos on DeerCast. That's pretty cool. Absolutely, man. We'll have the trail cameras running again this fall. We'll update everybody and we can't wait to give the keys away in December. Awesome. Awesome. Um and no, that's kind of what I, I kind of want to get into that a little bit about all the stuff that's in DeerCast. Not we don't really have to go too deep, but because that's one thing I'll say is a couple probably what year was it? Twenty sixteen, twenty fifteen is when I kind of I kind of really got hooked on the the chase uh, or I guess you could say the chase, but really trying to figure out a big deer and all that good stuff. Um, I remember 
2015. I found this buck that I wanted to hunt. Found his shed. Started hunting, or started looking for him, and found him. And then that's when I actually came across a podcast you did with um, Mark Kenyon on Wired to Hunt. This was four. I think it was 2015 or something like that. It was a while back, but um, how, how weather affects deer. Right, right. Well, uh, yeah, determining deer movement, and uh, I think that's what the title was. But when I got on that deer, that's kind of, and then I came across that because I found that deer, and I'm like, man, I, I really need to, because before I was never super, super serious about trying to track down a specific buck, and then I came across that, and I was like, man, I really need to figure this out. Like, I'm, I want to kill this deer, but uh, I didn't end up killing the deer. The neighbor ended up shooting him, but he was he was an epic deer. He ended up scoring like 180 inches, and I saw I, I had an encounter with him at, in 2016, and he was 160 inches then. And uh, that's and then the next year he he didn't show back up, and he got shot on the neighbor's property. But um, I learned a lot from that one buck, and. Uh, it was just, it was crazy to me that there was a deer that size on a property here in little old Georgia, you know. Um, that's a beautiful that's thing, kinda, When they get yeah. to that age, stature and score, they're just, they're a different beast. And when you see one that size, you know, you just never forget it. It imprints in your mind. They're incredible. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what, it got me to thinking that that one instance it made me think about and then i was you know lining up this podcast i was like man i was like when you get a deer that size to see before i mean most people they they don't they're not lucky enough to even get to see a deer that size while they're hunting and it just made me change my whole thought process on how a big buck moves through the woods because uh that deer, I had him at 25 yards with no shot, and he literally stood in one spot for like 45 minutes, <laughs> and uh, it was it was very uh, tempting to try to find a shot, but I was like, no, I don't I don't need to shoot because I know I'm not going to be able to make the shot because I'm I was already second guessing, so I didn't do it, um, but it kind of it makes me think about it like people always say, you know, here in Georgia or somewhere, and, and I'm sure you guys get this all the time. People always say, well, if he was hunting my property, he'd be, he wouldn't kill deer like that. Or, um, but I think, I think there's big deer like that everywhere, or at least there's the potential for it. Um, oh, there's potential. You know, it's a matter of getting them to four or five. If you, if right. deer make it past two, you never get to see what they're supposed to look like, but you got to get them to at least four or five. And then, then regardless of that deer's a 180 because of his genetics or whether he's a 140, he still has that look of a mature deer. I don't care if he's a 120. Mature deer think different, act different, and are very tough to kill. You mentioned it there, stood in one spot for all that time. Well, you know, why do they, you know, once they get to that age, they've experienced danger so many times in their life. They walk cautiously, brother. I mean, they do not move oh, yeah. a whole heck of a lot during daylight hours, and when they do, 
they know exactly where they're going, why they're going there, and they're very careful about it. They just they just don't act the same. And we've had some deer get to seven, eight, nine on on my Iowa farm, and you want to talk about the chess match, buddy, man. When they get up to that age, them suckers are tough. They get old. They don't move much. They're kind of like an old dog. You know how they just lay around all day and don't move much? Yeah. It's like an old duck. They just they get old and they just don't move much. It's very tough to run into a deer once fully mature during daylight hours. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and I actually, I shot one. I shot a buck last, Was it, it was last deer season, um, and he was only a seven-pointer, and he may not even, he was probably 110 inches. I mean, he was definitely, as far as age goes, he was a wall hanger, but as far as inches go, he might not have been to some folks, but he was six and a half years old. And, yeah, so what, uh, I what was, difference does it make, you know? Six yeah, year old, six, yeah. I don't care. A six-year-old George yeah. is a Boone Crockett, brother. I don't care how many yeah. boards or what scored. That's a booner because he's done seen it all. Oh, yeah, and I was uh, this year, like, I just kind of got lucky with him, you know? It was, uh, I mean, I, I knew that he was there, but no daylight pictures of him, and we'd already had one stand hung for him. Or not for him, but we'd already had a stand hung, and it just so happened to be right in front of the spot that he was bedding in, and um, and it kind of correlates with the deer cast. And another topic I wanted to kind of hit on was the day that I saw that deer. Actually, the two or three days prior to that, three days before I shot him, I shot a doe. Um, then the next day. I hunted that stand, saw two or three, I think, I think I saw four deer total, but it, that was, that was a good sit for that area that I was hunting. And, um, then the third day, October 22nd is when I saw him and I shot him. But the thing that stood out to me the most was that those three days was when the moon was near full. And it was coming up in the evening times, and um, that's I, I know you you've talked a lot about hunting the moon or hunting in and around that full moon, the five days before and the five days after. So, um, if you could kind of explain that. Well, I've noticed through time that <laughs> white-tailed deer movement increases dramatically daylight activity well activity in general even your trail photos if you watch it during the full moon the five to seven that precede it the five to seven that follow it are generally your best chance to see daylight activity of a white-tailed deer in my opinion at least the deer i'm hunting whether that be missouri iowa illinois kansas even out in utah alberta i just key in on that full moon and when when I get to the new moon, I see it, daylight activity and all activity, really subdued, even on your cameras. Mm-hmm. Not to say you're going to kill every deer on a full moon, and it's not to say that you you can't kill one on dark of a moon, because that's not the case. It is subtle little changes that really help tip the odds in your favor to actually see daylight activity of a, of a mature buck, and that's what we're keying in on with deer calves. So weather trumps moon, in my opinion. Weather fronts are always going to rule the day. They get 
optimized when they happen in and around the full moon, especially of an afternoon, the few days that precede the full moon, and then of a morning, the few days that follow the full moon. So I've lived by that, and I've killed so many dead gum deer in and around that full moon. It's just not even funny. I mean, it just enhances daylight activity uh, like like no other influence with the, with the exception of weather and rut. Yeah. Actually, I forgot, I failed to mention that that was also during the front as well. I mean, so it kind of lined up perfect. Like there was a front and the moon was in the sky. So it just lined up just right. And, uh, probably one of the better, probably, that was probably the best span of probably the three or four days of the whole season because it lined up and hit just perfect. Um, it's like deer movement is like a big slot machine, right? And there's 13 yeah. different carousels. There's 13 different carousels. And if, you know, six, seven, or eight of them line up in a row, look out. You know, if all 13 do, look way out, <laughs> you know, which it just never yeah. happens. But you need certain elements to come together for you to, to succeed. Yeah. And uh, and another thing, kind of backtracking here, but I was talking about uh, – we were talking about that deer and being an old deer. Uh, I think, like you said, I think that's the biggest the biggest thing about getting a big deer is age. And I think that's really the biggest issue that we have here in Georgia is um, the age structure because of our gun season. And uh, because our, our gun season, it'll go, it goes from the third weekend of October and it lasts all the way till January 10th or whenever the season ends. Um, so I think that's really the biggest issue that we have. Hey, no doubt. I mean, they got it. You know, you can't kill what's not there. You can't see a fully mature deer if everybody's shooting them at one and a half, two and a half. But that being said, I'm in full support of anybody going out there and getting out of the deer season what they want to get out of it, you know. Like if they True, want to shoot yeah. – a buck every year, more power to them. We need more people out there hunting, not less. Um, but it's one of the reasons I love hunting in the state of Iowa, you know. I love hunting in the state of Missouri. They're they're known for their big deer. We grow a lot of big deer in both of those states each year. I love the state of Texas, you know. Management gets more and more deer past that age four and a half, and therefore you increase the odds of, of seeing a good deer. So, to your point earlier, uh, we hear that a lot, but let him come try and do that on where I live. <laughs> well, I, I don't live there for a reason, and I don't hunt there for a reason. I like, <laughs> But I like I like hunting where my farms are. I like sleeping in my own bed, you know, and I'm I'm hunting where I hunt for a reason. That was part of the hunt, right, to find the area, to yeah. find, the, find the genetics, find, find an area where the deer reach uh, maturity. That's why I hunt where I do, so. You know, it's that's part of the hunt as well. Um, oh yeah. I would say I would say find a better spot or or make your spot better. Well, you know, that's part of the hunt. You can either make your spot better or or go find another spot. Oh yeah, I I agree, and I I think I feel like if it were you or it, it wouldn't matter who it would be. If it was anybody, I think you could you could make Georgia. Not just Georgia, you could go to Tennessee or South Carolina, you could go anywhere. If you put 
what the deer need on your property, you're going to have the deer. And uh, I feel like if you did have to hunt Georgia, then you would probably do it the same way you're doing it up there. You would probably put food there. Because <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell no you, man. I, it, it rules. Plant it and they will come. There's no doubt. At the end of the day, they're slaves to their stomach. Never forget that. Oh, they yeah. Eat, they got to drink. Yeah. Because I, I, I really, I mean, Georgia's and not just Georgia, like I said, I mean, there's a lot of states in the south and southeast and all over the country that are sleeper states. And, uh, hey, no doubt. Man. We, we've got, we've got some big deer here. And I, that's one thing I was going to say too. I was thinking about a second ago was I think it's probably been maybe 15 years ago, maybe, um, Georgia, started implementing QDMA in majority of the counties in the state. And um, some counties are different. Some of them it's 15 inches wide. Most of them it's four points on one side. Um, I don't know how effective it is, but I do think that over time it has, it has made the deer better. Um, because we got some big deer. I mean, we there's some giants hitting the ground every year in Georgia, and uh, they just they just might not be as many as frequently as you would see in some other states. Um, but they could grow them now. But, Georgia grows big bucks. I mean, look what, uh, and I think Bill Jordan's got a, a good sized place there next to Jeff Foxworthy. Those guys are killing mega giants. You know. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. my buddies. Steve Burnett's been killing big deer in Georgia for the 30 years I've known him. Ricky Joe Bishop killing big deer. I mean, they're they're there. Yeah. You just got to do homework yeah, he, and find find where those pockets are that have them. That's right. Yeah, Ricky Joe killed a a monster last year. Um, I remember he was. I was talking to him. He was telling me about that deer, and uh, he was a he was a stud. Um, he showed me where he shot him this spring while I was down there turkey hunting. He drove by. He goes, I "Yeah," <laughs> but I'm not going to tell anybody. <laughs> oh, I, I know where he shot him too. He told me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it can be done in the South too, man. I, I think um, I mean, shoot, there was a guy, a buddy of mine, real close. He lived right down the road from me. He. It was probably three or four years ago now. He shot one that was 190-plus, almost 200 inches. Um, oh, and and he, he, I mean, they had a lease and uh, didn't really have a giant, you know, huge plan to manage the property. They were just, you know, putting them on a feed plan, all this good stuff, just like anybody else would do. And... They didn't, I don't even think they knew that they had the deer on the property. and uh, But he was a giant. They're fun when you find them that size. Yes, sir. Um, one last thing I want to kind of hit on, and then we'll start. I guess we'll start wrapping it up here. Um, one thing I've never, I've never really completely understood. I know a little about it, but I'm not too familiar with thermals and i know thermals are pretty important especially for early season um so if you could kind of explain 
what thermals are and how they work and all that. Sure. Well, of a morning, as the sun's coming up, the sun heats the earth's surface. That's all you got to know is as you're heating the surface in the morning, what happens with the heat off of a stove or a fire? It goes up, right? So as the earth mm-hmm. heats, that rising heat takes your scent and pushes it upward. Your thermals are rising. In the evening, as things cool down, I mean, we're, we're what happens to cool air? It lowers. It drops, right? And that's what's mm-hmm. happening in the evening. As the, the earth's temperature cools down, sun sets, all of a sudden, whoo, that cold air, those thermals are holding your scent to the ground. That, in a nutshell, hmm. is the explanation of thermals. In the morning, they're going up. In the evening, they're going down. Heating versus cooling. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, well, I think uh, I think that's about it, Mark. Uh, I don't know really a whole lot more. I mean, we could talk for hours. I could talk about deer hunting for hours, but... I think we got a pretty good bit done there. I really do sure appreciate you coming on here, though. Absolutely, brother. I appreciate you having us, and I appreciate your support of DeerCast and your uh, all of the questions. And hopefully, everybody gets out there and uses DeerCast this fall to kill a, a Boone and Crockett. That's our hope. But I appreciate you having me on, man. Heck yeah, man! I I can't thank you enough. Thank you very much, sir.